what, this praise team is on today, aren't they? Give the Lord a big hand of praise, amen? And, and you know, one of the favorite, come over here, Dave. One of the favorite things I like about the praise team is that one song where you go, one, two, three, four. I always wonder who said that, because I want to do that one Sunday. Can you let me do that? Betty, will you let me do the one, two, three, four? Uh, they don't think I can count. I got that look like, you stick to preaching. So... <laughs> Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Boy, wasn't it, isn't it a great day? Great day to serve the Lord. How many are waiting for the Lord to come at any moment? Raise your hand and say, hallelujah, I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready to see the Lord, and I'll tell you what, I'm amazed that we're still here. Uh, maybe by next Sunday, we'll be up around the throne of God, meeting with all of our loved ones who are already up there. And uh, we'll be having a grand reunion. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. Often I, often, come back, I often have to come back to the basics of what church is all about. And that is helping people to prepare for eternity. Because you're not going to live here on this world very long. You have this little wind of time. But you're going to live longer and forever on the other side. Not here. And today I want to speak to you on a subject that's very important to me, and that is three laws that connect you to eternal life. Three laws that connect you to eternal life. What is eternal life? Well, you hear that phrase coined in churches many times, and eternal life is this. You're going to live on and on and on in either two places, one in a place called hell that, that God has prepared for the devil, and it was never God's will that any man should ever go there. And that's why Jesus paid the supreme sacrifice. He went the furthest mile. He, he suffered the most extreme agony so that we could experience the forgiveness of sins and that we could be embraced into the kingdom of God to live with Christ forever and ever. Eternal life. We're going to live on. Death is not the cessation of being. When you die, the lights don't go out. The lights, if you're saved, you, you're ushered into the presence of God. And you go to be with him forever. And we just continue. Everything in this world goes with us. All of our memories, all of our relationships, that relationship with Christ, everything we do for the Lord, all the works that we do for the Lord, all of those things go with us into heaven. And we continue on in the same personality and the same creation that God has created us. The Bible says that the earthly or the heavenly new body bears the image of our earthly body. And we continue on in glory. There's a story in the Bible I want to share with you. It's found in John chapter 6, one of my favorite areas of the scripture. John chapter 6, it's a great story. It's about the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, we got to send all these people away. There were over 5,000, really, some historians say there were really 20,000 people because the Bible says that there are 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And all of these people were coming to Christ and it was at the end of the day and everyone was tired and they were hungry. And the disciples said, send this crowd away so they can go get something to eat. And Jesus said, you feed them. And one of the disciples looked at Jesus and said, right, like we have this catering service that we can serve 
possibly up to 20,000 people. How, how are we going to feed them? Well, we've got about $30 in our bank account. And uh, look at the masses. I don't know about you, but 20,000 people, that's a lot of folk. And they said, Jesus said, well, you feed them. So they just went ahead and said, okay, and just trusted God at his word. And they went around. They, no one had any food in the crowd except this little boy who had two little fish and had five loaves of bread. And so one of the disciples came back with a little bit of bread and two little fish and went to Jesus, probably feeling really silly, saying, uh, uh, this is all I could find. So you got these five little loaves of bread, you got two little fish, and you got 20,000 people hungry. Jesus says, give it to me. The Bible says he looked up into the heavens and he prayed. And, and Jesus, being God, allowed that bread and fish to pass through his hands. And something happened. Whenever you go through the hand of God, a miracle is going to happen. Amen? I love it. And whatever came through the hand of God, there was the multiplication of bread. And, and it just kept coming. And he kept breaking. And he kept breaking. And there were large baskets of food. And the disciples were, like, amazed. And the people were watching as Jesus transformed five little loaves of bread, two little fish, into baskets and baskets of food. And the Bible says this, that everyone had something to eat, but not only just the little tidbit to eat, like you get in these fancy restaurants and they give you one string bean and a little bit of this, and they charge you $95 for it. You've been there, haven't you? Give me famous days any day. Amen, folks. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shoot, man, just take me to McDonald's. I'd rather eat there than, all right, enough of that. And, and, and the Bible says that everyone was full after they finished eating that little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. They were full. And there were 12 baskets, huge baskets left over, and it was miraculous. And the disciples just said, well, another day with Jesus, another miracle. But there's another part of the story, and you've heard that story. I've preached on it before. But there's another part of that story that I, I, I just want you to look at in John chapter 6. And that is on the very next day. And you and I both know you can have a great meal one day and you'll think, I'm never going to eat for the rest of the week. By the next morning, you're like, what are we having for breakfast? You know the physical life. Physical needs come and go. And they, they woke up that next morning, these 5,000-plus people, and they got up that morning, and they decided that, you know, we had a great meal yesterday, and let's go looking for this Jesus. And the Bible says that the same crowd that, that had the, the bread and the fish the day before, the next morning they got up seeking for Jesus. And they went everywhere, and someone said, well, you know, the disciples got in a boat last night, and they went on to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they were in a town, a fishing town called Capernaum, and that's where the disciples are. And obviously, there was an eyewitness account said the disciples went over there, but Jesus didn't go with them. Jesus didn't get in the boat. Just the disciples went on the other side. 
But where was Jesus? So word got on the street that Jesus was probably somewhere in that little town where all these people got fed, and they went from door to door. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? We're looking for Jesus. We're hungry. We want him to do what he did for us yesterday. We like this man named Jesus. He's got this amazing ability to take a little bit of food and make a lot of food. They wanted him, they wanted to crown him their chef. They, they, they wanted him to be their meal ticket, their free meal ticket. And they looked for Jesus everywhere and they couldn't find him. So finally, they decided to check on the other side of Galilee. So they all got on boats, and the Bible says in a little fishing town called Tiberias. And they got on these fishing boats, and they, they went to the other side of Capernaum, and they sought, and they looked for Jesus, and they found him on the other side. And they went up to Jesus and said, hey, by the way, how did you get here? There was only one boat that left the seaport from Tiberias, and that was the disciples. And we know for a fact that you weren't on that boat. How did you get over here to Capernaum? How did you get over here? You didn't walk around the great sea of Galilee. You wouldn't have time to do that. Interesting. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't need a boat to get to the other side. You remember the story. The disciples were out in the middle of the sea of Galilee and a great storm arose and they were sore afraid, and the boat was about ready to bust up and fall to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says that Jesus walked on the water, and the disciples saw this ghostly image walking on top of the water, and they were sore afraid that it was some kind of spirit. They were scared. And then Jesus cries out, Peace, don't be afraid, it's I. But this crowd that finally made it to the other side, seeking for Jesus as, as hard as they could, seeking for him, they thought to themselves, how, Jesus, did you get over here? Because there was only one boat that left the seaport of Tiberias. Now, it's interesting, Jesus doesn't even tell them. He could have said, well, I walked on the water. I, I walked out there because I had to rebuke my disciples because they didn't really see the significance of the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't see the, the importance of the lesson that was taught on that mountainside when I fed all these. He could have said all of those things, but he did not. And Jesus turns this question around about how he got to the other side. And he really deals with the heart of the crowd of the people, this Jewish crowd of over 20,000 people. He, he begins to direct and interrogate them about their own hearts. And Jesus begins to open a dialogue about eternal life. There are three thoughts I want to share with you about this story in John chapter 6, verse 26. There are three thoughts I want to share with you about this story. Number one, and that is seek Christ for he, who he is, for not what he can do. And notice what the scripture says, John 6, 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. 
It's amazing how many people miss the point on the feeding of the 5,000. You see, the people were so focused on the free meal and they were so focused on this ability that Jesus had to multiply food, they missed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They never connected the dots. They never realized that they were in the presence of a sovereign God. They missed the fact that they were in the presence of a creator God. They sought Jesus for what he could do for them and not for who he was, God in the flesh. They were excited about finding someone who had the amazing ability to supply them food, free food, but yet they were not so much excited about the identity of who Jesus Christ was. How true that is today. Many people pursue Jesus because of their immediate need for help in the moment of crisis. They run to Christ because when they're financially about ready to sink, they call out, oh God, help me in this crisis. Or when their marriage is about ready to crumble, they run to church and say, oh God, help me in my time of crisis. Or when they're facing conflict in their career, they run, they run to Christ. When their relationships turn sour, we run and, and we come to believe that Jesus has this very comfortable religion to give us a quick fix in a time of trouble. Sadly, this is a rampant theology in our world today. Some see Jesus as Aladdin's genie. He's some cosmic bellhop. He's some kind of crystal good luck charm that you could just call on him at your convenient moment. But be blind to the fact that Jesus is the Savior from sin who satisfies your soul, whether you're rich or poor, living in a nice house, or you're living in a prison cell. It's amazing how many people come running and seeking after Christ because they need salvation or they need deliverance from a very bad experience. They believe that Jesus has the ability to do amazing things. They consent that he is supernatural. They, they, they consent that, that he, is a, he is a rabbi. They consent he's a historical figure. And they believe that he could possibly help them. But yet they have no sense of their sin or their need to be reconciled to a holy God. They sought Jesus only what, for what he could do for them materially. And my friends, many people come to church, many people seek Jesus because they need a quick fix to get them out of trouble. They need Jesus to help them when their wheels get stuck. But my friend, Jesus is more than a genie in a bottle. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He can grant salvation. He can put you into the kingdom of God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Redeemer. And number two, the second law that emerges about eternal life, and that is we need to rise above the physical to embrace the spiritual. Oh, in the 21st century, we're a very physical-minded people. We're so concerned about our needs here. We're so concerned about what affects our five senses here. Jesus begins to speak to this crowd because they're obsessed about one thing. Man, we're hungry. We wanna... <laughs> hey, God, if we give you some food, can you just pass that through your hands? And can, can you give us a, a, a McMuffin with an egg and sausage? Look what Jesus says in John 6, 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. 
Now watch what Jesus says. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. You're saying, what does that all mean? It means that God the Father has given us his Son to be our only door to heaven, our only help from the forgiveness of our sins. You see, pursuing only the physical benefits of life will leave you empty and fulfilled. How true. I found that out to be in life when I was young. I couldn't wait to go to theme parks, Six Flags. I lived for that. After I come home, I had a stomach ache. My pocketbook was broke. I'm like, why did I even do that? Or we'll go on a va- vacation and they're like, oh, I'm gonna, this, is, this, is, this is life. And they get there and it's not as sure cracked up what they say it is. And it just seems to me when I go on vacation, just as soon as I get there, i got to start packing my suitcase because it's time to go. I don't know about you, but time just goes way too fast when I'm on on vacation. It's not fair. Physical things. We all seek happiness. We all seek fulfillment. Some of us are on this journey, and we're looking for some kind of thrill, something to give some kind of significance of why we're here. But where are we looking for that fulfillment? Some think that they can find it in financial success or a satisfying career. They're thinking, that's that's the key. If if I I, I can find another business, if I can raise another million, if I can build up my account so I can sit back. And Jesus said this, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Money's never made a man happy. Money has never fulfilled a man. The more money you get, the more worried you get, and the more stress you got trying to keep it. Amen? My money says this to me every day. Goodbye. (laughs) And so does yours, amen. Some devote themselves to the physical pursuit of money. Others think that they can find happiness in sexual exploitations. They think that they can have multiple affairs and that somehow that that will fulfill this void and feel loved, but it only enslaves them into a life of immorality that erodes away their self-esteem, that boxes them into a house of prison. Many try to find the physical pleasure of alcohol and drugs only to destroy their own lives. Something about that quick fix when you're stressed, when you're hurting, you're like, if I could just get something to drink, if I could just, I need a drink. I need Jack to help me. I need to numb this. And we don't realize there's a serpent at the bottom of that bottle that wraps itself around us and pulls us down and wipes out our relationships. Many try to seek happiness through physical relationships. I've had people tell me, well, I believe, Pastor Tim, the whole purpose of me being here is to just enjoy my family, is to enjoy relationships. But I've got news for you. We die. The landscape of my family 30 years ago has changed today. My dad's still living. He's 96. God love him. He's struggling. My mom's gone. My brother's gone. All my uncles and aunts, they're all gone. Everything changes. Life is fleeting. It's changing for you. One moment you have a spouse, the next moment you don't. It's like everything changes. 
You can't put your eggs in the basket of the physical realm. That's what Jesus was trying to tell these people. You folks are missing it. It's not about getting something in your stomach. It's not that hierarchy of needs of the stomach level, but you need the faith level. You need the heaven level. You need something more. Life here is fleeting. It flies by. You need something more. I like what Solomon makes clear in Ecclesiastes. Any earthly thing that you seek to satisfy the inner void of your soul is like chasing soap bubbles. Once you catch one, it breaks. It dissipates. The Bible is clear that our ultimate source of happiness and pleasure is found only in our spiritual walk with God. David said this, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy in your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Jesus told the disciples, these things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, a wellspring springing up into you, a joy that you may always be full. tell people all the time, you got to look deep inside yourself and find your own happiness. Hogwash. You need to look into the heart of Jesus and find your happiness in him. Amen? Because when you find your identity in Christ and your happiness and your fulfillment in Christ, it is then you really truly begin to live. It is then that you see the extended big picture that you are an eternal being. Jesus said, spend your energy on seeking spiritual things. That didn't woo the crowd. They're like, yeah, 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 okay. We got you. Jesus attempts to draw their attention away from their physical need by pointing them to their spiritual need and their need for the bread of life. In fact, John chapter 30 and down through verse 36, the, 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 the people began to complain to Jesus. And they said, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do for us? They said, by the way, Moses, one of our ancestors, he gave us bread. He gave us bread for 40 years in the wilderness. That's what he did for us. What are you going to do for us, Jesus? Show us a sign that we may believe in you. May I say something here? You don't need another sign because the lacking of signs and miracles is not really the problem. The problem is we have a, a lack of belief. We don't believe. Show us a sign. There's so many people that I talk to and they're saying, well, you know, I know the historical Jesus, and I believe in Jesus, the historical account of Jesus. I believe he actually existed. I really don't believe he's God. You can't go to heaven. You can't connect to eternal life until you believe he's the son of God. You're saying, well, now you've offended me. Well, that's exactly what Jesus told this folk, and the Bible says... That 20,000 people, after Jesus told them that, left them. Jesus looked to his other 12 disciples, and he says, does this offend you also? Peter says, uh, no. Uh, who are we going to turn to? Good statement, Peter. There is no other religion. There is no other religion that can claim that their founder 
has left an empty tomb behind him except Jesus. Go to all the other religions of the world and find that their their founders are still interred in the grave. But go to Jerusalem and go to the place beneath Golgotha and look and see that the tomb is still empty. He is not here, for he is risen. The crowning proof of the Messiahship of Jesus. He arose from the dead. They said, show us a sign. Jesus looked at that crowd. He says, haven't you seen enough of the signs of creation around you? Haven't you seen the sign that it is the God of the heavens that holds the universe together? Haven't you seen the sign that it is God and by the word of the God that keeps the molecules together so that we could have substance called life? Haven't you realized that that the sign is greater than five loaves of bread and two little fish that he holds the air in your lungs so that you might breathe. There is a God beyond our little world that he constantly proves that he exists. They were so focused on their physical need, they failed to see the God behind the miracle. They failed to see the God behind the act of grace and mercy. They failed to see the God of the act of salvation. They failed to see the providing God of the true bread of heaven. Jesus says this, spend, listen, listen. Spend your energy seeking for spiritual life. Now, I know some of you look at me and say, okay, Break that down for me. What does that look like to us? What does it look like? It means that we ought to read our Bibles like broken men digging for treasure. It means that we must wrestle earnestly in prayer like men contending with a deadly enemy for life. You've got to pray like you've never prayed before. That God would deliver you and lift you up. You've got to pray wholeheartedly. You've got to go to the house of God and worship and hear like those who listen to the reading of a benefactor's will. You've got to sit on your seat, open your heart, open your mouth wide spiritually, and let God speak to you. You've got to fight against sin, the world, and the devil like those who fight for liberty and must conquer or else resign themselves as slaves. That's what it means. To spend your energy. So many people come to church. Well, what could, I'll give God three weeks. If, if he doesn't pull me out of my financial situation, then, well, I'll go to something else. Your sign faith doesn't mean anything to God. Jesus looked at this crowd and they said, and Jesus looked right into their hearts. He goes, you only want what I can give you. You don't care who I am. You just want to use me for your selfish needs. And then number three, surrender to the complete reliance of Christ for life. Surrender to the complete reliance of Christ for life. In fact, John 6, 41 and 42 says, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? Jesus, we appreciate you, man. You got that power. You got that thing. 
that you can turn a lot of bread, a lot of fish, and a lot of food. Don't come and try to tell us now that you're the only hope to heaven. We know who you are. You're Jesus. You're from Nazareth. We know about that little town. That's a know-nothing town. That's just a little fisherman town. That's a little hunting town. We know your mom and dad. And you're going to sit here and tell us that you are the bread, you are the source of eternal life? And the people became resistant and offended with the truth of the gospel. But may I say this, in order to connect to eternal life, we must surrender to the word of God and believe it with all of our heart. If you're here today and you don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you do not believe he, is, he was God in the flesh who lived a perfect life for 33 years, went to heaven, fulfilled the work of redemption for all mankind, if you do not believe that he is the source of all life, eternal life, and sustaining Christian life, if you don't believe that, my friend, there's no hope for you. There's no hope. The Jewish crowd was satisfied with their religious works. Jesus Christ and the work of his cross is the connection between a sinful man and a holy God. Without the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, there is no hope of eternity or of any relationship with God. The Father sent Jesus into the world to bear the sins of all who believe in him, and without him, you're under God's righteous judgment, and you're totally disconnected from him. You're saying, what are you saying? When Jesus died on the cross, when he was nailed to the cross, he willingly gave his life as a sacrifice. He was not a victim. He was not murdered. He willfully, as the Son of God, God himself, God in the flesh, God in the blood, he literally hung upon that cross. He became a curse, all of your sins all of my sins, all the sins of man, past, present, and all future sins that are yet to come. When Jesus died on the cross, that was a pinnacle of him paying for every man's sin. And Jesus Christ saw that his blood had the power to wash away all sins. And then he left us this great commandment, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He did the work of redemption. He did the work of eternal life. And my friend, if you want to connect to eternal life, it's not about church going. It's not about putting money in a tray. It's not about stopping in your cursing and your drinking. It is all about coming to Jesus and realizing that you cannot, but only he can. His blood has the power to wash away all the sins of mankind. He can wash away your sin, my sin. Come to him and receive him as Savior. When you consume the work and the sufferings of death uh, and the sufferings of Christ on the cross, you need to trust him to apply that atonement on your soul. And you need to receive his forgiveness and his acceptance of you. And Jesus Christ, everything changes. Not only are you forgiven, not only now are you a child of God, but my friend, the good news is you have Christ living inside of you. Jesus Christ has now become your best friend. He becomes your everything. He 
becomes your lawyer and your advocate. He becomes your bread of life. He is your chief cornerstone. He is your good shepherd. He is your indescribable gift. He is your soon and coming king. He is your mediator. He is your mighty one. He is your peace. He is your risen Lord. He is your door to eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the perfecter of your faith. He is your beloved bridegroom. He is your deliverer. He's your great high priest. He's your judge. He's your light in darkness. He's your coming Messiah. He's your hope. He's your redeemer. He's your rock. He is your victorious one. Give him praise in the house of the Lord. When I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I had no idea. He said, I'm going to become your source of life. When you get pressed down and when trouble comes all around you, and when you feel like your enemies have zapped your strength, when you feel that the pressures of this world has ebbed away your desire to live, just go to Jesus. Jesus says, those who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you say, what does that mean? Those who consume the very nature and the character of Christ. This morning I woke up. And physically, I'm always going through something. And I said, Lord, I need you. I need you this morning. i got to stand before your people. Oh, God, I feed off from you. You are my strength. You are my helper. You are my guide. You, you, you just help me, Lord Jesus. And oh, my friend, he helps me. You need him this morning. You need to run to Christ. Not only is he your savior, he is your source. Run to him every day. Run to him in the middle of the day. Run to him at night. Ask him to defend you. Call upon his name and say, Lord, lift me. Help me. He's there to help you. No matter where you are in life, he's there. When I come down to the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be a bit worried. You know why? Because when I get down to the edge of that valley, I'm not even going to be thinking of the valley because I'm going to see him. I'm going to hear him call my name. He's going to say, Tim, it's time. And I'm going to say, Lord, why have you taken so long? He's going to call my name, and you know what? I'm going to step out of this old wretched world, and I'm going to step into the glorious brilliance of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to be set free. Sin will no longer be a problem to me. Burdens will no longer be a problem for me. Stress will be gone. Happiness will be filled in my soul and spirit, and I shall flee into the kingdom of God forever and ever. Praise be the Lamb of God. My friend, the best days are yet coming for you as the children of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look up, look up, look up, look up. He's always above you. Look up, look up. He's always above you. He's the great lifter. Mine eyes are unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's your helper. He's your helper. You can make it. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to make it. Can you do that? Say it in a confirming face. Say it. Come on. He's my helper. Look to someone behind you who needs help. Look around and say, oh, he's your helper too. Can you do that? He's your helper. Oh, I've enjoyed myself this morning. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm happy. Jesus is the one who can provide soul satisfaction. Maybe you're not seeking Jesus at all. You're a heartbeat away from standing before God in judgment, and you don't even see your desperate condition. What do I tell you today? You only have one way. It's not the way of religion. It's only in Christ. He's it. Run to him. He loves you. He created you. He formed you. He breathed life into you. 
He's your God. Run to him. He's your helper. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. Run to him. For whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Glory to God. Glory to God. Saved. I'm not going to hell because of, because of my sin. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God. If you're here today and you're saying, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never really called out to him. This is your moment. You're going to get birthed into the family of God this morning. Hey, I want you to pray with me. There's no magic in the words. This is not a hocus-pocus time. You just talk to God because he's standing right beside you. I want you to talk to him. And I'm going to frame the words for you, and I want you to pray this prayer. And I want you to open your heart to God and receive him, believe him, and be birthed in God's family. Every head bowed and every